0: Good morning. Uh, this morning we are going to um, look at uh, what spiritual gifts are. So we're in this series of ordering our private, our personal lives, our ordering our lives, and last week Andrew uh, preached on how we fit into and order our physical family life. And we talked about different things, um, uh, spouses and children and parenting and things like that. And this week uh, we're going to look at how we order and fit into our spiritual family, specifically looking at our spiritual gifts. So in order for us to do this, we're going to read the whole chapter 12. uh, So bear with me, but um, it's good, and it's going to give us a good framework uh, to to use this morning. So um, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing and helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's very clear to us that you um, have created one body of believers, that yes, we are individuals, but we make up the body of Christ. And it's very clear to us that you've given us different gifts, empowered by your Holy Spirit, and I pray this morning that we'll continue to understand what that means, not only for us individually, but us corporately as the body, and what impact it has here uh, within these walls, but with outside, outside of these walls, and how the body of Christ impacts the entire world. We thank you for your word, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Presbyterians are scared to death of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why. I, I, you know, I don't know if we think that if, we, if the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we're going to go screaming down the aisle, speaking in tongues or something, or, or w- what it is, like, but, but we seem to be, you know, our tradition seems to be afraid of the Holy Spirit, like, what is, what is he going to do to me? What, it, you know, am I, I going to have to raise my hands in church? You know, I, I don't know, what, what's going to happen? Oh, and, and it's crazy because the Holy Spirit is real and there's nothing to be afraid of. Yes, the Holy Spirit is very powerful, and I will admit that the Holy Spirit at some point in your life will challenge you to do something that is not, uh, not comfortable for you. Now, the context of this passage comes in chapter—so we're in chapter 12. This is chapter 12 of Corinthians. So there's been 11 chapters before Corinthians, and what we do know about the Corinthian church is that it was a mess, uh, They were extremely disorganized, and they were struggling with many different issues. There were divisions in the church. There was sexual immorality. There were lawsuits among believers. They had marriage problems. uh, There was idolatry was rampant in the church, and even a misunderstanding about the Lord's Supper. And the Apostle Paul writes this letter to address these issues, but also to pull the church together. He starts his unification process here in chapter 12 By teaching about the church being the body of Christ And how each member of the church has spiritual gifts That will support and build up the church And he then drives home the overarching theme of loving one another In one of the most famous passages in the Bible 1 Corinthians 13 So this morning we're going to focus on on understanding the church as the body of Christ and how spiritual gifts are involved and the impact they make. So let's just jump right in and answer the question, what is a spiritual gift and why does God give them to us? So the definition I came up with was that a spiritual gift is a special burden and ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit And used in any ministry of the church. It's a pretty broad definition. But according to uh, verse 7 here, spiritual gifts are used for the common good. And then later in chapter 14, it says that spiritual gifts are for the building up and edification of the church. So, spiritual gifts are special burdens and abilities that are empowered by the Holy Spirit living in us used in the ministry of the church for the common good of one another and for the building up and edification of the church. So we can't forget that the body of believers makes up the body of Christ. That's the teaching of the Bible. And so all the members of the body work together for the sake of the entire body. Okay, we've got to understand that all the members work together for the sake of the entire body. Not for the sake of itself or of oneself. We need each other. We've been created by God to be interdependent. Meaning we depend on each other. I need you and your gifts to build me up and help me mature in my walk with Christ. And you need me and my gifts to help build you up and mature in your walk with Christ. The illustration that Paul uses here is is genius. He uses the illustration of the physical body, the different parts of the body. Don't just act independently, they are interdependent upon one another. I need my eyes to see where my feet are going. I need my lungs to supply oxygen to my blood to make my heart work properly. I need my nerves to send messages to my brain to tell me when something's hot so I don't get burned. And so just as critical as the different parts of my body are to one another, so are those of us in the church critical to the well-being of each other. God has designed and ordered things so that he sends his Holy Spirit into our hearts and lives and gives us special burdens and abilities to meet the needs of one another and eventually Bring hope and salvation to a suffering world. So notice what I'm saying: The other people need you. Don't miss that. Other people need you. It's not just about you and your own life. God has put us into His kingdom, and you are part of His body. You know, sometimes I hear these people say these days, I don't need the organized church heard this so many times I can I can be a Christian on my own that's just not what the Bible says the Bible doesn't say anything about that it says actually it says exactly the opposite so if you want to live according to the way God has designed you and the way he's instructed us in scripture then you need to find a gospel believing church and get involved which of course you are here so that's that's a good place to start right um, we also need to believe and understand that the local church is the hope of the world. And some people say, well, wait, I thought Jesus was the hope of the world. He is. But Jesus manifests himself in each believer and corporately in his local church, this body of, this body of believers. And the world needs you to use your gifts together with all believers to have the impact that he's designed and he's purposed to have. So whenever you catch yourself thinking that your life is all about you, then I want you to stop and remind yourself that you are part of a much bigger picture and you play an essential role. Once you know that, you play an essential role in ministering to others. Maybe the next time you think I don't like that song that we sang Remember that someone else Might really be connecting with the Lord Through that song And next time you think I've heard this Bible story before Remember there's some people That have never heard that Bible study story before Or maybe if you you ask yourself like I need to help somebody move again (laughs) Remember You're going to have to move one day And you're going to need some help So Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some specific spiritual gifts and how you can use yours. Okay. Now the Bible, um, the New Testament specifically has lots of different lists of spiritual gifts. And the passage we just read has one of those lists, but they come up in, in various ways. And so, um, what, what we're going to do is sort of uh, walk through some major categories, okay? I'm not going to hit everything that was in this passage, but they sort of fall into some of these categories, okay? So, um, uh, follow along with me. I've, I've got some uh, uh, illustrations up on the board. So, uh, one of the first categories, is evangelism, okay? A gift of evangelism. Evangelism uh, is a gift where a burden, it's a burden to see others come to know Jesus as their Savior and the ability and willingness to share your faith with anyone you come in contact with, okay? Now, Andrew is an evangelist. We all know that, okay? You know, well, he's the pastor. He's supposed to be one, yeah. Yeah. But there are others of you who are evangelists that I know of. One that comes to mind off the top of my head is my friend John Kerwin, who loves developing relationships with people and having friendly conversations with them about his faith And helping them to understand who Jesus is He loves missions work And many of you are in the same boat you, you just love telling people about what Jesus is doing in your life You probably have the gift of evangelism It's mainly about developing relationships with other people And sharing about Jesus with them Is what it comes down to And that you have that ability And you have that willingness to do that So evangelism is is one. The next one is a little different. It's prophecy, okay? So uh, this is a burden to speak the word of God with courage and boldness. The ability to declare, proclaim, and make known the scriptures, especially in their current relevance. Now, here's the thing. There's been a lot of confusion uh, about this particular gift, but basically, a prophet is one who speaks the word of God. Now, if we think about Old Testament prophets, what I learned was they were, another definition was they were a mouthpiece for God. So God would say, Isaiah, I want you to say this. Hosea, I want you to say this. Amos, I want you to say this. And they would hear the voice of the Lord somehow, and they would speak it to the people. Sometimes their words were written down as scripture, Okay. Um, but since the New Testament has been completed in our, our scriptures, the Bible has been completed and canonized, meaning there's no more scripture being written today, we understand a, prof- a prophecy a little bit different. It's, it's never on line with authority, the authority of scripture, okay? So um, I would say that today our Reformed tradition would put the gift of prophecy a little bit more along the lines of preaching. Now, that's, that's a little bit of a, a broad statement, I know, but it, it's a little bit in the, in the fact that the preacher is trying to proclaim the word of God to the people, okay? And keeping the word of God as the authority, not my, I don't carry any authority in and of myself or my words, it's the word of God that carries authority, Okay. But then there are other people who, uh, who think that uh, this could also mean telling something spontaneously brought to mind to other people and encouraging them in that way. But here's the thing I want you to be very, really careful of. That either way, if anyone tells you something that's not in line with the truth of Scripture, then don't believe it. Okay? So what it comes down to is this is God's Word. And if anyone claims they have a prophecy and it's not in line with God's Word, don't buy it. Okay? Um, all right, the, the other one is teaching. So teaching is a burden to explain the scriptures and the ability to organize, instruct, and teach the scriptures in such a way that people understand the original meaning, its gospel centrality, and application. Okay, so um, this is not limited to ordained pastors. Okay. Many of you have shown to have this gift, whether it's with children or youth or adults. And I think one way to determine if this is one of your spiritual gifts is to test it out. So many of you love to study the Bible. Awesome. Um, uh, but we can test it out. We've got lots of opportunities to teach Uh, Other people on all levels from Sunday school to faith and life classes to men's and women's Bible studies to community groups Um, This seems to be a dominant gift for me uh, And i'm willing to help anyone uh, Hone that gift of teaching that's one of the things I like to do not just teach But I love to teach other people how to understand the Bible and then teach it themselves. So uh, Teaching is is one of the gifts uh, of the Holy Spirit all right, the next one is, is a category of exhortation. This is a burden to encourage other people. The ability to know others' needs, feel empathy, and encourage them with biblical truth and acts of love. And sometimes this gift is called the gift of encouragement. And there are many informal ways to encourage other people. But this one seems to be along the lines of someone saying something like, I know what you're going through and what you're feeling, and I can help you. I have specific ways I can help you, whether in word or deed. Exhortation seems to be more in word and helping people uh, get connected that way uh, and encouraged in that way. Um, but it's a, it's a, you know, one of the things I keep going over and over with these spiritual gifts that I want you to understand. There's a burden and then there's an ability. Okay? And that's going to help you understand whether or not you have this gift. Okay. So the next one is a uh, Pastor Shepherd. So uh, this is a burden to care for the spiritual well being of others, the ability to lead others towards spiritual maturity, leading them toward the truth of the gospel as they live their lives. Now, our particular denomination here at Spring Run reserves the title and the office, office of pastor only to ordained men, like Andrew and myself. However, the ability it takes to lead others towards spiritual maturity has no gender boundaries. Okay? Um, and I am so grateful for so many of you who have the gift of shepherding others in, to, to mature faith. From our elders uh, to others, women in our church, um, who have this special desire to do that and a special gift. Um, There's two couples that came to mind as I was thinking about this. Dave and Carol Lenti have a special gift to do this with people, and I've watched them in action. Uh, And Sean and Sue Shepard, your name works well with uh, your spiritual gift. Um, The ability to take care of and guide people towards Jesus. There's a burden and there's an ability to do that. All right, the next one is mercy, okay? So, um, mercy is a burden to care for the physical and spiritual needs of others. The ability to empathize with others' burdens and struggles and to have the ability to help relieve those burdens through acts of love. So... um, This gift seems to have a focus more on action and deeds of caring for people who need specific help and assistance. And you probably have the gift of mercy if you enjoy visiting those who are sick or going to someone's house to help them cook a meal or clean their house or cut their grass or repair something around their house. You know, due to various circumstances, some people are not able to help themselves. Whether it's a physical ailment, a mental issue, uh, an addiction or something, or just their, just what, how life has gotten in the way, or some circumstances happen to them, and they're unable to help themselves. And they need other people to come alongside and physically help them do certain things. And those with the gift of mercy seem to be really good at that. The next one is pretty broad, but we're going to throw it up there. Serving. This is a, and again, some of these cross over into one another, right? Serving and mercy are going to be similar. A burden to meet the needs of others through acts of service and the ability to selflessly serve others in a variety of ways, okay? So uh, this gift is closely related to the gift of mercy, but has a wider range, I think, of applications. So serving could be anything from Helping someone move, right, to, to serving on Sunday mornings here at church uh, in the nursery um, uh, with the welcome team or making coffee with the hospitality team, ushering, helping people out with an event, you know, helping out with an event around the church, just serving in different ways in which you can just um, help out. Um, we've recently had several community groups and Bible studies do some service projects around the church. So if you notice, the windows got washed, the sign got power washed. Um, uh, There's a bunch of, you probably didn't notice because it's in the back of the church, but there was a bunch of trash and debris and tree limbs hanging all over the church. And they cut them down and hauled them away. The playground's been mulched. The playground's been cleaned. You know, all this because people serve the church in this way with their gifts of, their spiritual gifts of service. Uh, And there's a myriad of ways in which we can use that particular gift. The next one is giving, okay? Now, giving is a burden to give away personal resources in order to meet the needs of others and the ability to discern others' needs and give time, material possessions, and financial assistance to meet those specific needs, okay? So this gift... um, is not limited to the rich and famous, okay? Uh, In fact, some of the most giving people I know uh, have the least amount of giving potential. And while everyone is encouraged to give, right, we're all encouraged to give, it seems as though um, some people are burdened with needs and are willing to sacrifice what they have to give what is needed, okay? Okay? All right, the last one we're going to hit here is administration. Uh, this is a burden to see the ministry of the church function properly and the ability to organize and lead in such a way that supports the ministry of the church. So you don't have to be a part of the staff to, to use this gift. While we do fill our administrative positions with those we believe that have the spiritual gift of administration, there are many ways you can use this gift as a volunteer. So, um, many of our ministry team leaders have this gift. Like, the the ministry team leaders are those that, uh, there's a ministry team leader over the ushers. Uh, there's a ministry team leader over the hospitality team, over the welcome team, over um, children's worship, and so forth. So we have these different ministry team leads. And uh, one of them is uh, for the nursery, okay, which we need to fill. That's a position we need to fill. But being um, a ministry team and leader for the nursery doesn't mean that we want you to be a childcare worker, okay? Uh, what it means is uh, we need someone who has a vision for this ministry, who can organize it and is able to lead a large number of volunteers to fulfill that vision, right? And so that's where the gift of administration comes in. I, I can do that. I, I have a vision for this. I can, I can organize all these things and all these people, and then I can get them to work. I can get them, I can get them moving in the right direction. Uh, leadership kind of falls under that one as well. And here's the thing, Um, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, or what they are, because, and here's the thing, everybody has spiritual gifts, it's not like, if if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and he's gifted you in some way, okay, so no one gets off, off the hook on this, okay? Which is great, because it's, it's very fulfilling to live a life of purpose, and to live out who God's created you to be, that's very fulfilling, you should find that, like, energizing to yourself, but if, you're, if you've never really thought about it before, or if all this stuff is new to you and, and everything, then I want to um, encourage you to take a spiritual gifts assessment uh, that will help you get started in learning what your gifts are. Um, and so I encourage you to do uh, three specific things to understand what your spiritual gifts are, what, which ones you might have. First of all, take this spiritual gifts assessment. It's on the website. So if you go to the website, there's a tab. Uh, you fall down to um, resources, and on the resources page, at the top of the page, has a link to a spiritual gifts assessment thing, take you like 15-20 minutes to do, gives you a report, helps you, helps you understand how you answer those questions and what gifts they might uh, fit with. But then secondly, show those results to some people who really know you, people who really know you, and ask them if they think the results are accurate. Like help them to get them to help you understand if those those are things that you, that fit you, in your gifts, and then thirdly, get involved in aspects of ministry in which you can use the gifts that you found out that you had, right, and then uh, you can have more confer- con- confirmation about which ones you have, um, and sometimes it just means going and testing it out, right? So I, I think I have you know, uh, the gift of mercy and then get involved in, in, in a mercy project with the deacons or something like that and see how it goes. See if you're energized by it. The Lord's using you in it. Or maybe it's the gift of teaching. You know, I, I think I have the gift of teaching, but I'm not really sure. Then um, if you're in a Bible study, ask your, tell your Bible study leader that, hey, I, I'd like to try out teaching one week and then they can help walk you through that and, and everything and then you can, you can do that. So, um, God has empowered the church with gifts, spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit is active and at work here at Spring Run. It's very exciting. The truth is that we've had a tough week. We've had a very tough week. Um, And we've got some tough weeks ahead. To celebrate Joan to celebrate Pam um, there are other things that have happened I didn't even know that Rex and Francis Hedgepath had been as sick as they were they need help they, they're, they are in Midlothian right now just so you know I know sometimes they live in Florida for part of the year but now they're Midlothian poor Francis she can't see Rex can't walk they're stuck at home they need some help I just heard this morning that Apshires had a fire they've been displaced from their house I don't even know what their needs are yet I haven't had a chance to talk to them But I'm guessing they're pretty, pretty significant Right? This is when the church shines We've got to come together To help one another You're going to have a chance In the next few weeks To use those gifts And let me tell you The staff's going to need your help Especially We're going to have two Celebration of life services Within a week Of each other We're going to need your help the Abshars are going to need your help. Rex and Francis need your help. There are other people in here that I'm not even aware of. We need one another. Make your needs known. We, we have enough people here. God has, God has given us this particular body of people. You are in this room, and those of you who are online listening, and so forth, a part of this body of Christ where we come together to care for one another, to lift each other up for the common of good, to build one another up, to encourage and edify one another. And when we do, our church, will be glorifying to God in the watching world